This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. This morning I want to talk about um, something that I, if you've been around here long at all, you've heard me talk about it before, but I feel like um, it's something we need to visit probably often. And it is talking about what it looks like to war in the kingdom on this side of the cross. There's a lot of, um, lot of spiritual warfare teachings out there. I mean, just an overload of spiritual warfare teachings out there. But I'm, I'm, I'm really believing that I can bring something to the table that maybe you've not heard before and challenge you to maybe look at it a little differently this morning because I believe that God is sharpening our weapons and if you have a sharp weapon, it's a lot easier to fight with it than a dull weapon. And so I'm always asking the Lord for me personally, just continue to sharpen me. I want to be sharp. Anybody else feel that way? I want to be sharp. I'm very encouraged. I'm, I'm going to just bounce around a little this morning. I'm really, thanks. I'm really encouraged by what the Lord is doing in people's lives here. We, uh, we were singing that song at the end. I don't know the words, but it was, you pick up all my pieces. You put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. <laughs> Perks being worshiped from the leader's husband. And um, we were singing that. I don't, I just, you know, sometimes you just get overwhelmed in the presence of the Lord. You ever experienced that? And I actually, we were singing that song, you picked up all my pieces, put me back together. And all of a sudden, I got hit. And like God began showing me people throughout the room. He's like, put them back together. Put them back together. Put them back. How many of you, if that's one of you? <laughs> this, is not, this is not about a man. It's not work. And I started looking around and I saw all these people. And he's like, Put them back together. And I've met, I've met with so many people that came to our church so burned. So burned out. Burnt crispy. I mean like crispy bacon. Crispy, crispy. Some people, they came in the door like, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll give you some time. <laughs> and uh, I mean it. I, I, um, some of even the most core people on my worship team, I, I've almost with all of them sat down at one point, and they're like, I'm not going to do anything. When they first came to the church, I'm like, we'll see about that. <laughs> I've met with people over dinner. I've taken people out. I've had coffee with people. It's a little harder to keep up now. <laughs> So, but I've sat with people and they've told me how hurt they were and how burnt they were and how just the stories. And we were in worship this morning and I just began to reflect and look around at some of those people that I got to go out with. I know you've been out and talked to people too, but I got to talk to these people and I looked around and just saw them. You picked up all my pieces. You put me back together. If that doesn't move you, man, I... It just grabbed me. Even the worship team, I was looking at some of the people up there, and I knew what they've been through, and I just saw them. You picked up all my pieces. 
And I just got overwhelmed. Because that's really what we're called to do. We're called to restore. We're called to advance the kingdom. We're called to see the message that's in people be released. The church has been, if we're not careful, we can become inoculated by professional speakers and actually be numb to the presence and replace the presence with performance. I've been having this thought run through my head recently. I thought, how many people on the earth are packed full with an amazing message? But because we've become used to such, how do I say this? Some people are gifted speakers. But there's people that maybe they're not so much, but they have a powerful message in them. And how do we open that up? And I'm not saying I know all the answers to it. I'm working on it. I'm praying on it. But I believe that God's up to something where he wants to take people throughout the room that have that message in them. And, and some of them may not have the best speaking skills to be up here or whatnot, but still take the message that's in them. What would it look like if we actually began to all walk in the calling we're called to walk in? Imagine how fast the kingdom would advance. And one of the things that I think that we've not done well or maybe I'll just say it this way, we're growing in, is how we look at the perspective of warfare. People that I know that typically talk a lot about warfare are very worn out people. (laughs) Somebody like, been there, done that. It can wear you out. But I also believe that if you can get a revelation of how we're supposed to fight, it may not be as hard as you think it is. You're like, I don't know about that. Hang in there with me. Just think about the devil. His name just means accuser. Right off the top, that's weak. I mean, really. I mean, let's think about from a warfare perspective. You could have, like, killer. David, he's killed his ten thousands. Devil, accuser. It's just not that, like, powerful when you think about it. Reinhard Bonnke says the devil's like a mouse with a megaphone. He says he's really coming across as something huge, but he's not that big. Even his name is weak, accuser. I kind of want to peel away, like, this big fear of the enemy, and let's actually realize who we are in Christ, and then everything will change with how you look at warfare. And the devil's name is accuser. His only weapon left is his mouth. (laughs) He's got a big mouth. That's it. So the greatest reality about living victorious is actually understanding that the majority of spiritual warfare takes place between your ears. Because the only weapon he has against you is lies. Everything else was taken from him. 
So he is now left with his mouth. And the way that he gets into our heads is with his lies. And the greatest war that we face is in the realm of truth versus lies. And the problem that we can often face in the church is that we don't understand our identity in Christ. We don't quite understand who we are in Christ. And if we don't know who we are, we don't know how to fight. You have to understand that your, your authority, put it this way, your authority is attached to your position. How many understand that in a workplace, authority is attached to position? When, when someone gets a, a, a raise in a job, the first thing I want, what's my authority now? Right? Because you don't want to start trying to step in realms that you don't have authority to work in. So tell me, what is my authority? Because authority is attached to position. And you've got different people that maybe they're different positions. Maybe you've got somebody that's just, I don't know, an intern. They've got no authority pretty much. They're just there to copy, learn, enjoy this. And then maybe you've got, you've got a shift manager, and they've got some authority over that shift. And then maybe you've got a manager, a store manager. And as you go up the chain, how many know that the authority increases? The reason so much of the church doesn't understand how to fight is really more attached to that we don't know who we are. Because if you don't know your position, how could you ever know your authority? You should be really excited about this because I'm going to make warfare easy. I said, we're going to make warfare easy. I love Bill Vanderbush. He calls it joy fair. <laughs> and so we have to begin to understand what is our position. And many people that have hit rock bottom in the church don't have any idea what to do next. And what has happened is, is we hit rock bottom, and I, and I pay attention to this. I'm really sensitive to this because somebody hits the bottom, and what do they do? They can begin, one of the first things they do is they begin to take often scriptures in the Bible that aren't even in the right context for what they're going through. And they start to grab onto them, but the problem is, is that sometimes the scriptures, you completely don't understand them. But what happens is, is it's, if you're not careful, we can actually take the word of God and make it fit our circumstances. Instead of hearing his promises and his guidance and then stepping up and above. There's nothing more unnecessary than a hopeless believer. The only way that we can be equipped to win is if we understand what our identity is in Christ. So are you ready? Come on, are you ready, guys? I've got to get you back with me. I'm going, to just, I'm going to shoot them out at you really fast, all right? It says in Acts 17, verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. John 15, 4 says we abide in him and he in us. Ephesians 2, 6 says that we have been seated with him, everybody say with him, in heavenly places. So Acts says that we live in him, we, have our, we, we, we move and have our being in him. John said we abide in him. And Ephesians says that we're seated in heavenly places with him. And where are we lacking? I said, where are we lacking? I'm gonna, you're going to get it. Where are we lacking? Now, the battle's between your ears. 
Because if he can convince you you're lacking, then he begins to take away your authority. Let me rephrase that. He can't take your authority. You give it to him. We are lacking nothing. When we begin to understand our position, we begin to understand our authority. And then we begin to read scriptures like 1 John 4, 4 that says, greater is he than who is in the world. And then we see Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all through Christ who gives me strength. Matthew 16, 19. He gives us the keys of the kingdom. You're going to be smiling by the end of this. I promise. He's given you everything. You're in the family. And you have nothing lacking. But then people say, well, if I've got all that, why am I going through so much trouble? (laughs) That's the question, right? Everything at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, everything at that point changed. Everything. How we fight our battles. I, by the way, she had no idea I was preaching on this. Like today's worship set was like, this is how I fight my battles. And then she said I copied her. (laughs) I mean, you're just getting like hit with a dose of the songs today. And all I did was worship. All I did was praise. Because everything changed at the cross. We don't any longer fight for something. Everything changed and we get to fight from something. It's a different thought process of when you're fighting for and when you're fighting from. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse, um, let's go verse 11. And now this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Everybody say, in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I love how they paint it out so clear for you sometimes. It's like, just in case you didn't get that. If you have his son, you've got life. And in case you're still confused, if you don't have his son, you don't have life. He's making it as clear as he can. I'm going to read it again. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Why is this so important? It's in his son. When you accept Jesus into your life, When you have that moment that you give your life to the Lord, now when the Father looks at you, he sees Christ in you. 
which means that everything that he gets, you get. And all those wars that are going on in your head, oh, he just sees me so broken and falling apart. No, he looks at you and he sees the same thing when he looks at his son. All right. What does God, when he looks, let's just play a game. When he looks at his son, Jesus, what does he see? Power. Go ahead, you can talk. Shout it out, go ahead. Victory, champion, overcomer, covenant, all these things. Lover, resurrection. Okay, it could be said the same exact thing when he looks at you. He sees the same thing. He sees love. He sees power. He sees overcomer. He sees covenant. He sees all the same things. He doesn't look at like Jesus part of Jordan and Jordan. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> Good word. He doesn't look at me and say, well, that's, I like the Jesus part of John. But the rest of John. This is your testimony. <laughs> I said, This is your testimony. Look at the person next to you and say, This is your testimony. That God has given you eternal life, and this life is in His Son. We take a lot of pressure on ourselves that He never meant for us to carry. We almost like, we, we do baptisms up here, and it's like we go up here, we have this baptismal tub, and we get baptized, and, and people come up, and whoa, I'm a new man. What's it represents? That old man is gone. And then two or three days later, it's like some of us are trying to dig him back up. Well, that old man, did he die or did he die? Are you new creation or are you a new creation? It's really simple, guys. It's a yes or no question here. You are a new creation. You have a new nature. You have already won. Yes. It's already done. He said, this is your testimony. I love it when you get to have his testimony. He's such a good dad. He's like, I'm going to send my son. He's amazing. Like he's, he, There's no issues here. He's going to take care of it all, and then his testimony gets to be yours. I want to give you this amazing inheritance. So for that to happen, somebody's got to die. So he's going to die, and he's going to give you his inheritance. But then he's good enough to come back from the life and show you how to use it. But you get to keep it. I can feel like that. Something's rising up in the room. It's like, I can take it on. We got this, guys. Jesus took on death, the grave. He won. And then he brought you into his victory. Let me say it this way. Every believer, whether you're a mature believer, whether you're a baby believer, it don't matter. You get his victory. You can't earn it because he already earned it. So give that one up. 
Some of you have been so ingrained with, well, maybe if you, if you do all the right steps, you can earn it. Well, that's, a, that's what? It's done. This is your testimony. You have life now. It's your story. So we see this passage in Colossians chapter 2, 15. You can just write it down. That Satan was disarmed and made a public spectacle. <laughs> he took everything but his mouth. <laughs> All he left him with was his mouth. Satan's just beating me up. He's just shooting me. all he's doing he was disarmed and made a public spectacle the bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion there's words in there for a reason like some of you are like that, that. He is just like, he is a lion and he is devouring me this week. No, he's not. He's acting like a lion. <laughs> I just see like one of my kids like acting like a lion. It's like <laughs> he is imitating a lion. Why? Because that's the best thing he can do is imitate. He can't create. You realize he can't create. He doesn't have the ability to create. All he can do is imitate. That's why creative stuff drives him nuts. Because when you create, it just reminds him of who you are and who he isn't. When you create something, it reminds him of who you are and who he's not. He can't. <laughs> he goes around like a roaring lion. He's an actor. He's acting a role that he doesn't have the authority to actually be. I've referred to this in a sermon before, and I'm going to do it again. I like, like, I like movies. Is that okay? <laughs> Y'all are not that spiritual that you don't watch movies. Like, I like movies. I love movies. I really like movies, actually. And um, I like, like Iron Man movies. <laughs> like, oh. And I like one of the Iron Man movies. There's this guy that's supposed to be really big and bad. He has this nickname, the Mandarin. And he's scaring people. He's putting these TV broadcasts out. He's doing all this stuff, and people are so scared of this guy until they actually find him. And he's like, I'm just an actor. They're like ready to, in this movie, kill him. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just an actor. I think if we could actually... See to the eyes 
of the kingdom, we could look at the devil and see, you're just an actor. You're not that scary. You've got a great little act going on, but you're not that scary. Hang in there. I'm going to, we're going somewhere. So here's the devil. He's naked, exposed. He's disarmed. He's powerless. And here is you, clothed in Christ, secure, blessed with every spiritual blessing, empowered. Okay, let's start there. It's a good starting point. Okay, let's really go, let's really jump in. I'm really going to mess with your heads for a minute here because we actually aren't still fighting the devil. We can't believe that we're fighting for victory if we believe that Christ has already won the victory. So then what's going on? We are actually enforcing the victory that already happened. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of something. I did this once before, and I didn't have an example, but I have to apologize to all you Panther fans. You're not going to like this, but come on up, Ethan. Come here. Give a hand for my good-looking boy right here. <laughs> oh, I don't know where he gets his personality from. Um, so so, so imagine, imagine that I am... One of the favorite things I like to watch is the Super Bowl. I like to, I love it at the end. I don't care who's playing. I love the end of the Super Bowl when the winning team has all of their families come down. It's like this big celebration. You know what I'm talking about? It's like all of a sudden you got these little kids. They're wearing like all the clothes. And so Ethan's going to be my, my Super Bowl kid. Help me out, Ethan. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> I told, oh, listen to this. It's going to get real right here. I told somebody else earlier, I said it would have been Panthers gear, but there's never been a shirt that says Super Bowl champs. Oh! <laughs> All right, back on point, back on point, before you turn on me and this sermon is completely over. So I, I do support the Panthers, All right. All right. I, <laughs> so anyways I want you to imagine this there's, there's this thing that we need to understand that there's this battle that has went on there was a fight there was a war Jesus went to the cross he died he was raised again he won okay it's over game over I don't care if you like it or not at the end of that Super Bowl game over Game over. So then what do they do? They have all these kids and families come down and they're all putting on dad's t-shirts and they got their hats and they got their rings and all that. And what's happening? He is getting to be more than an overcomer because dad already won the game. So he gets to come down on the field and just celebrate the victory that already happened. He doesn't have to win it. It's one. His friends can say what they want. 
it has already been one. You're quite the public figure up here, man. He like comes alive in the spotlight. He's like, love it. <laughs> he's so quiet down here. Now he's up here like, oh, how do you like me now? So, so here's the thing, though. We have to understand the greatest revelation that you will ever receive on the topic of spiritual warfare is that you aren't fighting for victory anymore. You've already won. That is the first and the greatest understanding that you need to have is that you actually aren't fighting for victory anymore. We are here and we are enforcing the victory that's already happened. This is really important because if you're fighting for something you already have, you're running in circles. (laughs) So the greatest tool that the enemy has against every believer is actually getting us to think that we have to fight for the victory. And one of the greatest revelations that we can have is that it's already been won. I'm just enforcing it. Hmm. You good? (laughs) When you came to Jesus, put it this way. When you came to Jesus your starting point was victory. When you came into the kingdom, you started as a winner. That's where he started you. Hebrews 2.14. You can sit down, buddy. Hebrews chapter 2, <laughs> verse, you can give him a hand. He'll love it. He's... Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless, everybody say render powerless, him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. He has rendered him powerless. Fear is done with. So then where do we get in trouble? Imagine you're in this victory celebration. Everybody's on the field. Everybody's having a good time. And uh, how many of you know that even at the end of a football game, there's probably people from the opposing team that are running their mouth. They're not happy. They're saying things like, well, you know, you didn't, you know we should have won this if the refs had been on our side and yada, yada, yada. How many of you know that they're still running their mouth? How many of you know that even though the enemy has been defeated, he still is running his mouth? He's not saying, well, Jesus won. I tried. He's still running his mouth. And so here's where things get bad. He can get you to leave the celebration, and he can take you and he'll walk you out and the best way I know how to do is just give you a picture. He'll bring you into the parking lot. You've left the celebration. And now you're in a territory of a bunch of lies. And then all of a sudden, well, I mean, I guess that play was questionable. I mean, I mean, did we win? Why? 
you left the atmosphere of victory and you stepped into the realm of lies. Now all of a sudden, you're on the devil's playground. And he's telling you all these things about yourself. Well, I mean, if you're really all that in Christ, then why are you still struggling with this? Everyone in the room's like, I'm not the only one that feels that. <laughs> I meet people, man, you know you beat yourself up the most. I meet people that they just beat themselves up. It's like you wake up in the morning and just punch yourself in the face. It's like, dude, you're, you're not... Do you know who you are? Do you know who you're married to? Do you know who? <laughs> you know how great you are? And, and so the enemy gets us into this realm where he just says, oh, well, you know, I mean, if you were more than an overcomer, then why haven't you overcome this yet? Well, I mean, it's a good question. So many believers have become filled with hopelessness and they're sitting in a parking lot with a bunch of losers, speaking of the enemy, not you, the enemy, while there is a victory going on inside. And all you need to do is decide to step back into a place of victory and say, I'm not going to continue to allow myself to be in this place of lies. I'm going to recognize who I am in Christ, and I'm going to step back into that place. Now, there's all different tools. I don't have time to go through that. Worship is one of them. I mean, we talked about that this morning. This is how I fight my battles, praise. There's so many different tools that help us that... We could go all morning with, but I want to focus on a certain piece this morning. I want to focus on the reality that he does not have any authority except for what you give him. There's something free knowing that he is not that big and bad. Let's, let's wrap this up. The greatest mind game that the enemy has is this. He will speak things into your ear, but then convince you that it's actually coming from you. Here's where it gets crazy. He'll speak lies to you, and then he'll get you to think that they're your thoughts, and then he'll get you to condemn yourself for them. So he'll say things like, well, you're really not worthy. You're, you're really not worthy. You're really not. And then he'll say it again. He'll say it again. Sooner or later, you're like, why? Do I, what? And then you start beating yourself up and condemning yourself. And he's actually convinced you that his thoughts are your thoughts. Oh, boy. Once he gets you to believe that it came from you, once he gets you to believe that you're the one that's thinking all this, then he's got you in a place 
where he's got your, he's starting to grab hold of your authority. Because now you're agreeing with it, and you're the one that has the authority. Because you wonder, well, why does so much stuff happen in my life if he's so powerless and lacking in authority? It's easy. He just tricks you to think what he thinks. And then borrows your authority. It's, it's almost like self-sabotaging. The reality is the only one that can strip you from the victory that you have is you. He can't take your victory. It is not possible. You are the only one that can take off your winning jersey. You're the only one that can take off that Super Bowl hat and you're the only one that can take it all off and say, I'm not worthy. He can't take it off you. So how do we win? Since the only weapon that he has is a lie, the only weapon you need is the truth. The only weapon that he has is a lie, so the only weapon that you need is the truth. John eight thirty two. then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you What if I don't want it? No, sorry. <laughs> the truth will set you free. Which would mean, on the flip side of the coin, a lie will put you in bondage. And the truth will set you free. Je- <laughs> Should I go there? Oh, do we have... here's, the, here's, here's a big reality to face about, about warfare. Jesus has actually already done all he's going to do about it on the cross. He can't do anymore because he said on the cross, it's finished. He's not going to go back and say, well, maybe I could do a little bit more. That would be to say that what he did was not sufficient. He's saying when he hung on that cross, when we celebrated this morning the communion, the elements, and he took his last breath. And right before that, he said, it is finished. What was he saying? I am done. I have done what I was sent to do. It's finished. There's nothing else he's going to do about it. Because now, he said, you can have authority. And you can have power. And you've got all you need. We have to begin to identify the lies that the enemy throws at us all the time. Because the enemy will always speak these accusations. And some people are like, well, I don't know. I mean, what am I feeling? Is this God or is this the enemy? People ask me that all the time. I don't know if it's God or the enemy. Well, is it accusations or is it identity? The enemy's only language is accusations. It's his native language. It's his only language is accusations. God speaks through 
identity and life. He does not pull you down to pick you back up. Some of the stuff we've, we've really convinced ourselves of, some of the stuff I even hear about these fires that are going on in the, in the, the uh, bah, 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 from people, we have such a misunderstanding of the Father. I, I've heard people call it judgment. As if he sent his son for life and then he would be a god of death and they would fight each other. He's life. He's life. And he's always speaking life. He's always speaking love. And the reality about this, this warfare is that we don't actually need to learn how to win a battle. We need to learn how to stay in a victory that's already been won. We don't, we, we don't I guess we'll wrap it up on that point. We don't need to learn how to fight the battle. We need to learn how to stay in the victory. <laughs> you know it has to just drive him nuts, the enemy. That you can just rub it in his face that you've won. I'm, I'm going to have a moment of openness. I'm a sore loser. I'm just... I'm a pretty sore loser, have to be honest with you. I, I, I can, and I feel like the, <laughs> and I feel like somehow I always end up on the losing team, too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm beginning to think God's just trying to, like, help me learn a little something here. And I'm just, I'm like, whatever. I don't think I've ever been on the winning softball team in church, <laughs> ever. And then there's those certain people that just rub it in your face, Yep, you know who you are. <laughs> There's nothing more annoying than someone rubbing it in your face when you've lost. <laughs> There's a lot of laughing going on because you know it's true. <laughs> I, I'm very, I, I don't, I heard somebody say something, but I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm competitive. It is what it is. <laughs> You know when you're trying to race them at Aldi's, they're like going this quick and you're trying to like get it quicker than they are. It's like, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to keep up. I'm like, they're like, and I'm like trying to get it back on the belt quicker than they are. Sorry. It's a true story, guys. It's a true story. The devil has been defeated. You have victory. It irritates him when we sing battles like, songs like, this is how I fight my battles. It irritates him when we sing songs like it's already been done. But this is how we win. We stay in a place of victory. When you feel like you are not, here's what you do. First thing is this. Identify with a lie that you agreed with that took you out of victory. Find the lie that pulled you into the parking lot. It's there. It always is. Stand up. Let's finish up. Let's just, let's do this. Let's close out here.
for every battle we fight, for every battle that we get pulled into, there's a lie that led us there. Every time that we get pulled out of the place of victory into a place of feeling like we have to strive for something, we believe the lie. And the first thing you need to do is find out what the lie is. For some of you, I'm just going to kind of tell you what I'm feeling in the room this morning. For some of you, you feel that what I said earlier, I said it on purpose, that you feel unworthy. You feel like you feel like that you're doing something now or there's been something that you've been through or there's something that's hidden in your closet that's making you feel unworthy. It's one of the greatest, it's one of the most power, it's a very powerful lie. Because the reality is, is the one that lives in you is completely worthy. And when the father looks at you, he sees someone that is completely worthy. So, close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord, if there's something that there's been a battle that's been going on, I just want you to ask him, is there a lie that I, I agreed with? This is, for, guys, this is for everybody. I don't care how mature you are. This is something that we can always just be open to. Is there a lie that I believe in? could be a lie about your identity. could be a lie about your calling. Whatever. What is it? Speak to us, Holy Spirit. He's so good. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel like the Lord's showing you a lie, I just want you to put your hand up real quick. I'm just trying to gauge how many of us are where we're at. Thanks. You can put your hand down. So here's what we do. We break the agreement that we have given with that lie. Remember, you're the one that empowers the lie. It's just a lie until you give it power. And then it's an empowered lie. So here's what we do. We just tell him, in Jesus' name, I break the agreement with the enemy that I've given him in this area of my life, and I claim truth. I claim truth. Now, stay right there. What, whatever that was, if it was unworthiness, if it was that you're not worthy, what is the truth, okay? And don't just swap it for something simple like, you know, I'm worthy. Get a little more detail. Ask the Lord, what do you say? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. What are you saying right now? Because for every lie, there's a truth. And whatever that is, fill yourself with it. Claim it. I am a champion in the kingdom of God. I am loved by the Father. I am powerful. I am whatever it is. Just just speak it into yourself. I am 
what you're doing is you're leaving that parking lot of life and you're stepping back into the place where there's a celebration. It's victory. Stay right there. I'm going to speak these over you again. In him you live and you move and have your being. You abide in him and he in you. You've been seated in heavenly places. <laughs> Greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. You are more than conquerors. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. You have the keys of the kingdom. You have the keys of the kingdom. Come on, speak it over yourself. Say, I have the keys of the kingdom. Listen, I went, I went where I went today for a reason. I believe that for so long, so many people that have felt like to fight in the spirit realm means to carry a burden that you are never meant to carry. We were always meant and designed to live in a place of victory. Now, there are seasons in life that it is not always the easiest. We all have them. The moment you begin picking up the lies, the burdens, you weren't created to carry that. He said, your burden is light. Father, we thank you. We thank you that there is a, a shifting happening, that we can live in a place of victory. It's done. It's done. In Jesus' name, amen.